God, your word is ever new, ever reforming us, ever changing us. Meet us where we are tonight, all of us. We come to your word now with all kinds of emotions, all kinds of situations, and we need you, Lord, so speak to us, for we, your servants, are listening. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. When uh, my wife, Mindy, was a young girl, um, she, and, and it was her dad's birthday or, um, or, or Father's Day or perhaps um, uh, their, their, his wedding anniversary or something, um, she wanted to get him a gift. She, Mindy is a great gift giver. Um, but of course, she's young at this point. She doesn't have any money. And so what she does is um, she draws and colors and creates all of these coupons for her dad. Now, um, and he loved them, of course. What's so f funny about them is uh, they were all things that, like, normally she didn't want to do. You know, Dad, this coupon, I mean, literally, it would say, this coupon entitles you Danny Cribs to one 30-minute session of a foot rub, which she despised doing, by the way. Um, and also, I remember the other ones were like, I will, uh, this gives you one free day of yard work, because her dad loved when, he would, when she would do yard work with him. Just be out there in the yard, right? I mean, she's a kid. She's picking up sticks and stuff, but he loved it. Now, just so you know, recently in Jacksonville, it was discovered that many of those coupons have not been cashed. <laughs> so, it is highly likely uh, that her dad says, any year now, He's going to call for that shed cleaning. And now he's so grateful because Mindy has a husband who's going to help, apparently, her fulfill this coupon. Do you think her dad uh, cared whether, whether she gave him coupons or expensive golf clubs? Do you think he cared? No, of course he didn't care, right? First of all, because if she, the, the golf clubs would have been bought with his money, so it didn't really matter. Secondly, and more importantly, what he wanted was not golf clubs or even coupons or, or whatever. He wanted his daughter's heart. He wanted her. He wanted her presence. He wanted to lavish love upon her. He wanted to receive her devotion to him as daddy. That's what he wanted more than anything, right? That's what every good dad wants. In today's gospel story, Nancy just read it, a daughter of God gives him coupons. He, she gives him coupons. Did you, did you get the story? A daughter of God comes right into his house and gives him this most beautiful, most worthless, most precious, most laughably small in any other context in the universe gift two mites, the equivalent of coupons, right? God didn't need it, but he loved it because he got her, this lady, his daughter. So we're going to look at the widow's mite, the story of the widow's mite, Mark chapter 12. I think the scripture is printed for you on, these, uh, on, your, on your scripture insert. So why don't you take this out and follow along with me in the gospel passage, it's at the bottom of the insert, Mark 12, 
It's kind of a brief passage, but it's packed with great stuff. Two things I want you to see. Let me tell you the second one first. In the end, we're going to talk about the widow's gift. The widow's gift. That is the might, right? It's the whole point of the story. Or is it? Because first we're going to talk about the widow's God. You got to see her God first before you can understand her gift. You've got to know her God before you can understand her gift. Number one, the widow's God. Here's the thing. This lady wasn't just any daughter of God. She was a part of a group of daughters of God who just so happened to be famous in the Bible for really tugging at God's heartstrings. These ladies were called widows. They were special daughters, daughters all through Scripture uh, um, who, who, I'm sorry, that song really distracted me right there, <laughs> who's... They, 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 they summoned all of God's compassion. This is like a theme in the whole Bible. Widows are God's special daughters. Thank you, Nancy. Scholar Jeff Smith says this about widows. In the Old Testament, widows, along with the fatherless, so orphans and aliens, outsiders, were the most vulnerable and dependent class of people in the whole land. In fact, in light of this, how you treated widows in the Old Testament, in the Bible, how you treated widows was like a, a thermometer for your spiritual health. How the nation of Israel treated widows was a thermometer for how the nation of Israel was doing in their relationship with God. Does that make sense? This is how much God's heart bled with compassion for this special group of daughters, widows. Now, here's where the scribes come in. Look at the opening verse of Mark 12. Here's where the scribes come in. As Jesus taught, he said, beware of the scribes. Okay, Jesus, why should we beware of the scribes? Well, first he says their faith is hypocritical, and he points to all these outward displays, uh, lots of, um, it's all selfish, right? It wasn't just religious devotion or um, 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 vestments or something. It's not the outside stuff. It's what they were using the outside stuff to get, which is selfishness. It wasn't for God. It was for them. But here's the second thing, and here's where the story comes full circle. The second thing was that the scribes' faith, their, what they were practicing, was harmful to widows. Did you get that? The word that Jesus uses to describe what they were doing to widows is they were devouring widows' houses, devouring widows' houses. Now, scholars don't really know exactly what this means, but here's what we do know. In some way, these, these religious leaders were exploiting members of their congregation who just so happened to be God's special daughters. Now, listen, if you mess with God's special daughters in the Bible, if you mess with widows, then you mess with God. We know this is, is true. It's made so, Jesus so angry because you don't have this printed in your, in, your, in, your, in your insert. But the next verse of the Bible, after our story ends, goes like this. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. The disciple was pointing to the temple, or buildings around the temple, you know, the house of the scribes. By the way, the house that the widows 
exploited money had bought, right? Disciples said, wow, how beautiful. Jesus said this, the next verse after our passage. Do you see these great buildings, disciples? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. Of course, years later, the temple did crumble. That whole religious system was a fraud, a sham. It exploited widows. It's not true faith. Widows in the Scripture, so in this way, they, they almost sort of like, they're like, they're like symbols. They, it's not just that their story tugs at God's heartstring. God's love for widows is symbolic of His love for all of humanity and especially for those who humanity has rejected, who humanity has forgotten. Does it make sense then when we read the first story, first lesson tonight about the widow? By the way, this widow wasn't even a part of Israel, not even a part of God's people. But she's a widow. God loves widows, all widows. He cares for her. Didn't it make more sense then in the psalm that we just read together, Psalm 8, when the psalmist, uh, Psalm 156, verse 8, when the psalmist tries to depict God in poetic language of all the things he could say about the God of the Old Testament, this is how he describes God. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord cares for the stranger. He sustains the orphan and the who? the widow, but frustrates the way of the wicked. Okay, first point, the God of the widow. Sisters and brothers, before you see the widow's gift, you have to, and before you think, okay, here's how I'm going to be like the widow. Before you do that, you've got to see the widow's God, his love for her, his love for all of humanity, and his love for you, for you. That is to say, before we can talk about what we're going to do for God or what God is asking of us, indeed requiring of us, by the way, which is everything, right? He doesn't just want our money or our stuff. He wants our thoughts, all of them. He wants our feelings. He wants all of them. He wants our bodies, our families. God wants all of us. Yeah, I mean, He wants us not to use us but to be with us. He wants our presence. So before we talk about what we're going to do for God, you have to know what God has done for you. God wants all of you because he's given us all of himself in Jesus. Stay with me. Perhaps this has already occurred to you, but there was another widow in the gospel book of Mark now, this widow, it's a sort of widow, is a man. This man is poor like our widow. This man was on the fringe of society like our widow. This man didn't have anywhere to lay his head. This man uh, was rejected by his own people. And this, man, uh, this man's gift to God was so pathetic in the world's eyes that it was seen as a complete and utter failure. It was his death. That was his gift to God. But in God's eyes, in the eyes of the heavenly Father, Jesus, the greater widow, gave everything he had, and it changed reality in total. So first, you got to see that God gives you gifts before you think about giving him yours. He doesn't really need your gifts. He just wants to be with you. 
So he's given himself to you. Now we come to the widow's gift. The widow's gift, the teaching of the widow's gift is simple. You, 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 you get it. It's a simple reading of the story. It's not your money. It's not your things that matter. It's you. It's larger than your money. It's your whole self. God wants your heart. He'll take coupons. He'll take a million dollars. But the one thing he wants is you. So whatever, whatever brings him yourself, whatever the gifts that follow from that, great. But he wants you. I just have to say, as a, as, a, as, a, as a priest, and I know I speak for Nancy, Dean Kidd, and all the rest of the uh, chapter, everybody, leadership here, we, 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 we want your gifts, and we're so grateful for them, your tithing, your pledging, all of that. But you know what we want more than your gifts? We want you. Like, we don't want you to just send the church your money. We want you. We want your smile in worship. Like we want your discussion and conversation in the great hall. Like we want to laugh with you. We want to cry with you. We want to be there by your parents' bedside in their last days. We want to pray with you. We want you. So don't just send your money. If you send your money, great. But we want you more than that. We want you more than that. In uh, the very first service, we have three services on Sunday. At the 8 a.m. liturgy, we use what's called right one, the these and the thous. There are slightly some different prayers that we pray. And in the Eucharistic prayer, which we're about to do now, um, there's a line that we have in that prayer that we don't in this one, and it goes like this. The priest says, uh, we present to you, God, our souls and bodies, ourselves. We present to you ourselves. The second service, uh, the big choral sort of Eucharist, down the middle aisle, uh, there's a moment called the, the presentation of the gifts. And it, would, it seems kind of, I don't know, maybe if you don't know what's happening, it just looks a little bit like a, just a little parade of parishioners walking down and they're holding the, the bread and the wine and they're holding money. And they come up and they put it on the altar. And then we go to the, to the Eucharistic part. The presentation of the, the gifts is this. We're presenting things to God. Now, let me ask you, do you think God needs coins and paper? Do you think he needs bread or wine? Is he thirsty? No. Those things, like the rest of this church, are symbolic. They represent us, ourselves, our souls, and our bodies. God wants you. In a, a, a number of years ago, there was a... a uh, one of my favorite authors, Henry Nowen, a number of years ago. He was known as a, an Ivy League professor at Harvard and Yale, a psychotherapist, a Catholic priest. He was, he was amazing. He was an all-star. He did tons of things really well. And at the peak of his career, he leaves Ivy League professor roles, and he goes to Toronto, Canada to work in a place called Daybreak, which is a, a, a little community of about 25 to 30 people, most of whom were mentally or physically handicapped, most of them. A few years after staying, he stays there for a long time, the rest of his life, and he writes about it. You can read it. It's just, just beautiful. A few years after being there, Harvard says, Henry, will you come back and speak to us? We want you to speak about peace, about peace. So Henry comes back and he says, when he gets to the podium, well, I'll, I want to tell you about the gift of peace, but to do that, I have to tell you the story of Adam. Adam is, he says, a 25-year-old young man 
who is the weakest member of our family at daybreak. And this is how he describes Adam. He can't speak. He can't dress himself or undress himself. He can't walk alone. He can't eat without much help. He doesn't cry. He doesn't laugh. Occasionally, and only occasionally, does he even make eye contact with you. This is Adam. Adam's back is distorted, and his arms and legs, uh, his movements are twisted and contorted. Adam suffers from severe epilepsy. He takes heavy medication every day, and he still almost daily has seizures. Henry says, sometimes Adam will grow suddenly rigid and howl like, like an animal. He says in any other context in the world, Adam is, is useless. This is Henry's word to the Harvard students, not mine. A A Henry says, you know what most of the world would call Adam is a vegetable? Barely human, he said. And then Henry says, now I want to tell you that Adam has taught me about peace in a way that nothing on this earth ever has. Adam is God's gift to me. And what is his gift? It's not his usefulness, it's his presence. He says, he says this, and this is the last quote I'll read to you. Because of Adam in our little daybreak community, there's always someone home. Because of Adam, there's a quiet rhythm in our in our house. Because of Adam, there are words of affection and gentleness and tenderness amongst everybody in the house because of Adam. Because of Adam, there's always space for mutual forgiveness and healing, weakness just living among you. Because of Adam, the weakest among us, we know peace. How mysterious, Nowen says, are God's ways. Friend, God doesn't need you to be useful to him. He doesn't need your stuff, right? He is the maker of all things, visible and invisible, we say in the creed. But he wants you. You are his Adam. He wants you. You know why Jesus sat outside the treasury? Think of all the places he could have sat uh, uh, to rest. He sits out in the temple area outside of where you could see sort of like the collection boxes. Uh, history tells us that there would be like 13 um, canisters of some kind that hold coins and they would be spread out around the temple and maybe there would be priests there. And as you came into worship, you would like give the, you would give your offering. It was very visible to everyone, big crowd outside. And I guess if you had a good amount of coins, they would make quite a splash, right, in the canisters. So you can imagine, uh, one way or the other, that it was quite a scene as Jesus was sitting there watching and now hearing all, and Mark, Mark uses all this lots of big, big language, like many rich people were putting in coins, right? They're pouring their coins in, and it's making this loud noise. And, and then Mark says, but then one woman, one, 
lots of contrasts in this story. One woman, two mites, probably wasn't even a sound. In fact, if we were sitting with Jesus, we probably would have missed her. Jesus is always looking for people like this, isn't he? Always, always. The people that everybody else misses. So she was insignificant in everybody else's eyes, and he finds her and he says, she has given the most. She has given the most. I want to close just by uh, speaking directly to a a funny uh, uh, event, a a providential event. On Friday, as I was preparing uh, for this weekend, I realized that the dean had sent out an announcement and a letter, something we've been talking about a while here at the cathedral, that basically he was announcing to everybody that we are going to be doing a capital campaign. That is to say, we're going to be trying to raise a lot of money to do lots of things um, to make this a beautiful house for God's gospel, right? And then next Sunday, I find out, next Sunday, we're going to be turning in our pledge cards where we write down, like, here's what I think the Lord is giving me, uh, leading me to give to, to the church this year. Um, I promise you, in all honesty, I was not planted in this capacity to speak to these things. The widow's might, in the midst of all this, our church is raising funds. But I'm so delighted in God's providence that I get to tell you before you give, before, you, before we talk about the capital campaign and all the rest of it, I get to tell you that it's not about the widow's might, it's about the widow's God. And that God doesn't need your money. Mostly he just wants you and whatever gifts come from that. So whether you give golf clubs or coupons, a million dollars or two mites, give him your heart, yourself. That's what he's given to us. And that's how we respond. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to use this, uh, uh, a bit of a poem from Christina Rossetti. She was an Anglo-Catholic poet in the late 1800s, and she wrote a lot of um, texts that we use and sing as hymns, and we sing this hymn during Christmas time. It's uh, in the bleak midwinter, and this is how the hymn, the poem, closes. Let's pray. What then can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would know my part. Yet what can I give him? I will give my heart. Amen.